Welcome to the Inventory Professional Podcast, brought to you by Inventory Base, providers of industry-leading property inspection software, accredited training, and on-demand property reports. Join us as we discuss the latest news, legislation, and all things property, hosted by our very own inventory expert, Sean Hemming Metcalf. With regular special guests, listen in to our open and honest discussions about the role of the inventory professional and how to navigate through this ever-changing, fast-paced industry. Hi, welcome to the Inventory Professional. I'm Sean from Inventory Base Academy, and I'm joined by Melissa from MGN Inventories. Welcome, Melissa. Hello. Here we are again, having a bit of a chat. Hopefully, um, it's going to be useful to everybody because it's going to be about complaints. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm finding that there's more and more complaints coming through. And I don't necessarily mean with my own business. We get the odd one or two, but not that many. But I'm talking to a lot more clerks and people and they're having a conversation about complaints and wondering what to do. So I thought it'd be a really good way of kind of giving some advice and tips by talking about, you know, our, both our experiences in the industry and also how to actually manage complaints. I think they are something that's becoming more common Personally, I, I've got a bit of a theory um, that, that what's going on with that is that it is so hard to win adjudications nowadays with TDS, DPS, whatever schemes people are using, um, that I, I feel that it's almost went the other way, that people preempt being told you've lost an adjudication. And so maybe agents and landlords are looking at it in a slightly different way. I think that people, as a general rule, are realising just how important these reports are now, both, you know, a, a brilliant inventory and checkout. But I think that once they start going through the process a few times, they look for the things that the schemes look for. Um, and particularly landlords, if they've been bitten a couple of times, they will want us to be very um, sort of overzealous with things, uh, in my opinion. And no, so I think that that's what's rising, hmm. you know, these complaints to agents and um, and to ourselves. Yeah, I know. I agree. I, I think uh, the uh, different schemes are certainly looking for more evidence and they're looking for more specifics. And certainly I think people are taking, as you say, more interest in the reports. They're, they're paying them more attention, which is great. That's exactly what we want them to be doing. Because otherwise, in a way, you, you kind of feel like you're doing all the reports and no one's really taking any notice. And then you kind of think, well, what's the point? But the, as you rightly say, the point comes when it gets to checkout and there's problems and then you haven't got the right reports or the right information or there's things wrong. And then, unfortunately, then the first thing they do is they look at the, in, the inventory or the checkout or look at the, the company that's de- done the report or the clerk and kind of like levy the, the, the complaint against them. And it's not always necessarily the case that it's got anything to do with us. But unfortunately, we seem to be the kind of almost like the first port of call. It's kind of like that, that's where the blame kind of like sits because it, it has to, doesn't it? It must do because yeah. yeah. it can't be anybody else's fault. No, exactly. And I think, um, funnily enough, I had an agent the other day, I popped in for keys and they said to me, oh, um, I just need to talk to you. You need to, you need to have a look at this DPS ruling because we lost on the checkout that you did. And I, you know, I was like, oh, really? You know, why? What, what happened? And the actual wording was that there was not sufficient evidence in the inventory to disprove what the tenant was saying. And the tenant had said, it was all like that in the beginning. Um, and, it, you know, it is, it's almost... How unusual. Awkward. Yes, I know. I've never, <laughs> I've never heard that excuse before. Um, but it is, it is sort of awkward. And I think that that comes with your relationship with your 
clients um, to be able to educate them in that purpose because I, they had truly read that and saw that they had not won an adjudication and thought it was a checkout. And you, it almost required me reading it back to them, saying it was the inventory, couldn't disprove what the tenant was saying, not the checkout. The evidence was there in the checkout. Um, luckily, that was not one of our reports that, that had been taken from another clerk. But yes, uh, like, like you touched on, if something goes wrong, we are that port of call. Um, it's instantly sort of what have we done? What you know? What can we improve on? Really, rather than looking at what what was actually being said, which was it, it was something else entirely. And this and this this is the thing that it kind of brings to mind as well. Is yes, we're kind of almost like the first port of call, but equally, we're not the first port of call when it comes to feedback. We're not the first people to be told effectively like you have. Like yeah, thanks not gone right or you know it, um, it, it's it's um it's um, been thrown out of the adjudication or you haven't won the case as, they, as some of them will put it and often it's a case of well I didn't even know it was going to and what and what were the issues and in a way you kind of like think well if it's going to adjudication then why not have a conversation with us with the infantry professional first to get your ducks in a row to, to actually look at the reports and to find out what's obviously the issue with the tenant or stroke the landlord or stroke the agent, because it could be any of those um, that are not quite happy or the things are not quite right or they, they, there's missing information or whatever. Um, but have us part and parcel that conversation so we can actually say, like you did, reread it back to them because you're kind of like, it, it, it's done, isn't it? It's a done deal. You've, that case has been lost, whereas you could have maybe helped if they'd actually told you that this was actually going to adjudication and these are the reasons why. And what were your what you, were your thoughts on that? Would you think that would have helped? Yes, 100%, because we then had that conversation. I mean, a lot of my agents are um, aware that I came from a property back, uh, management background. Yes, so, that's right. Um, often, if we are going to, if we, if they are going to have to go to a dispute, um, they do sort of mention it in passing, um, you know, another time when I'll pop into the office and we'll have a little chat about it and I'll sort of say recommendations. Um, in this case, obviously, it didn't get to me before they got to that stage. But once we'd sort of uh, went through that and said, oh, look, it was based on the inventory, I said to them, you know, from my experience, what I used to do. Um, when the tenants would say that and maybe you know that you didn't have the greatest supporting evidence in the beginning is just to be absolutely sort of pedantic and over thorough with cross-referencing things so mm -hmm. I told them I would say this is the clause in the contract that's the other clause this is the email we sent about the issue during the tenancy here was the interim inspection report um, so don't just rely on your inventory and your checker checkout but compile as much evidence as possible um you know any communication that they've had from the tenants on the system often these systems now are date and time stamped and you can pull up notes from every time you've spoken to them um which again is invaluable to them so just that little bit of guidance you know i was talking to the person that prepared the adjudication uh, prepared the evidence for the adjudication and that was something that had never sort of crossed her mind before that actually those were all things that really could have helped whether it would have made a difference, it's hard to say. But in hindsight, it's worth a go. Absolutely, and uh, and and again, that that kind of highlights another, the other issue, isn't it? Is the fact is that 
that side of things, i.e. on the adjudication side, again, we're, we're not privy to. Obviously, that's understandable because it's meant to be a kind of like evidence on the table. The adjudicators, they're on their own without any outside influence, making a decision based on the evidence. But like what, rightly, what you just said is that if you were given the opportunity, you could have used your expertise as a previous um, property manager to advise the client, get that information in the right kind of order, get them thinking, as you just already done, so that they compile the right information so that when that adjudicator sits down on that table with the door closed, phones off, going, okay, what's going on here now? Everything is in chronological order. Everything's got its audit trail. Everything is clear, concise, and therefore they can make a, a balanced decision. If they don't have that information, then they're not going to be able to decide on it because they are not mind readers. They're not ever going to be in the property. They're, they haven't spoken to the tenant, apart from obviously maybe what they've been given is evidence, etc. So, of course, you know, whatever's in front of them, that's what they rule on. So if it's not there or it's not clear, it's not concise, you're going to lose. Very much so. And I mean, again, reflecting back on my time in property management, we had to go on several courses with the dispute schemes um, and they would tell us, you know, what they were looking for. And it's really when they used to say, look, we, we're never going to see the property. We've no idea. If you give us a few pictures of a little scuff on a wall rather than an overview of the wall and the scuff on the wall, you know, to for reference in size and character. And they say it's all just random small pictures to them. They, they really need us to be as thorough as possible in describing it. And I think sometimes we, because we're doing it day in, day out, over and over, we might lose that kind of perspective that you've got this person just seeing this, they don't know, is it an old Victorian property? Is it a new build property? If that would help them in understanding the aging of it. So there are all these things that when you look at it from their point of view, if they're just presented with sort of these minimal pictures, then you know that's what they that's all they can decide on. And I know sort of the conversations that I've had with people, everyone kind of says, Well, all the schemes they find in favour of the tenants. And it is true because the onus of proof is on the landlord slash the agent, whoever's submitting. But again, when you think of it that way, it's not necessarily they want to find in favour of the tenant, but you have to be so overzealous and pedantic. And if, you know, we're not providing that as a service to the agents from the off, then they will have an issue with it. I couldn't agree with you more. It is exactly what it is. And it's not exactly rocket science. It's quite clear. It's quite easy to understand. But I think there's a lack of understanding when it comes to, you know, talking to the clerk, looking at the evidence and, and building that evidence bundle. And that's what it's all about. And that's why we can't like get complaints. And sometimes not at, obviously at the end of the uh, checkout when it goes to dispute, but often beforehand. And because often we don't get really spoken to or, or until something pops up or um and someone complains and then maybe they will have the conversation and all backwards and forwards and all of a sudden then we'll get included. I think a lot of complaints, what we've got to look at is the different levels of complaint or how I see it. And and also then how do we then manage that process? So I don't know if you agree, Melissa. Um, for me, low level complaints are things like, you know, maybe um, some spelling checks or some errors or maybe, you know, the write up, same as anything. Sometimes you write something down and it looks perfectly OK to you. But when someone else reads it, they go, actually, I have no idea what you're saying. That's not making any sense, you know. So yeah. often like, there's low level complaints like that. Do you see do you know what I mean yes absolutely and, and I mean again again we are only human 
Um, yes. Things are not going to be perfect 100% of the time. You know, you, you might have a bit of a typo. And whilst we do all recheck our reports before we send them, there is a lot of data in there. And so it is to be expected that now and again, that will happen. Yeah, yeah, it does. Because like you said, we are human. And um, and I think, you know, these why I look at them as low level complaints, because they are a few spelling errors or something's not quite clear, you know, and, and the person's not read it. But it's great when they're in a way when it comes to because then you go, oh, no, I can see exactly what you're saying. Or no, this is what I meant. And you can change that. So these aren't necessarily a life changing events or you know big impacts on your company. They're just little things. But I think half the uh, reason we have them is a lot of um, inventory professionals aren't necessarily auditing their reports. I, I definitely advocate 10% dip test. Um, but in the main, to be honest with you, I don't know about you, but I do 100%. Yes, I um, I find it invaluable, really, because uh, especially if they are things where um, other clerks may have done it for, for me um, on my behalf, it's very hard to have a feeling and understand, again, that property without fully auditing it. Um, and I'm always wary that I'm then sending that on to someone else. And if they ask me a question, I don't necessarily want to have to say, hang on, let me just have a look and yeah. see what you mean. I want to know what they're talking about. So yeah, I want the heads up. Yeah, don't you? you want the heads up so that you're already aware. And also if you're checking it and there's a blurred picture or there's a bit of writing that's not quite right. Or I got one the other day. It said gobby instead of grubby. <laughs> you know so I mean so you know those kind of things we pick those up then you can change them straight away I mean you can either send them back to the clerk or you can change them yourself if they're minor and you you, you kind of like, it's very clear what, what you know what needs to be said you know these kind of things can be easily dealt with so to me they're low level complaints your medium-sized complaints or, or your middle-level ones are more kind of like you, maybe the, there's not enough detail. You can't like get in what the person is saying, what the clerk is saying, what, what is being described, but it's just not quite enough. Or equally, there's kind of like some missing pictures. So maybe the, the written word is there. Maybe you're describing an issue, but the pictures aren't there. And then, of course, then you're in subjective evidence as opposed to objective. So those can become problematic going forward because you, you've got the written word. But if you can't necessarily put that into context, that can become a bigger problem going forward. I mean, what other kind of medium-sized complaints would you um, say um, a lot of people come across? maybe a, a lack of detail in the description um it's very easy again for us to be complacent and know what we're talking about um but not necessarily sort of fully reference that especially if it is a landlord looking at it and they really want you to say it down to the wire exactly what what has happened um and also things like um issues with missing meter readings sometimes uh, meters are a law unto themselves anyway Sometimes you've got a really old meter. Sometimes you've got a new meter. There's a range of buttons you need to press and not all the readings have been obtained. Especially now, more important than ever is to have all of those readings. We'll uh, elicit a very emotive response if they're wrong. And I think we'll see more of that coming through. Yeah, I mean, a prime example of that is recently, um, you know, we ha I had a conversation with an agent where the meter readings weren't uh, of the right uh beta but that was done like nearly two years ago and my oh, view was well okay you've got not only a picture of the meter you've got a serial number of the meter you've got a location of the meter so if it's the wrong one then someone needs to tell us that so that we can then rectify we we can't 
it's not always easy to un to know and understand which is the meters. You can only follow the trail of evidence, i.e. the pipework going from the uh, gas boiler to the meter or the electricity meter, bearing in mind how many properties there are, whether it's in a communal cupboard or not. So you, there's a certain amount of detective work we have to do as clerks, but equally there is a limit to what we know and what we understand. And if we're not sure, then for me, if you've got that body of evidence, i.e. the picture, the details, the location, et cetera. And then the landlord reads that. Landlord should then say, oh, that's not my meter. Fine, no problem, landlord. Can you tell us which one it is? We can either pop back, or if you give us a picture, we can update the report and we can get it that way. If you wait for two years and then say, oh, it's a bit of a problem, and I now want compensation for that, well, first of all, well, why didn't you recognise it and all the other times that the reports were done and everything else? And exactly what is it you actually need compensation for? Where has been your material loss? And yeah. then that brings me on to like the high level complaints where you do have issues of missed evidence. You've got a lack of really detailed proper descriptions um, for what I call the good, the bad, the ugly. Do you know the type of reports where everything is in good condition, clean bad condition, poor standard, yeah. and button pushed. Do you know what I mean? So it's all colour-coded and that's it. So of course you're going to get complaints there because then, you know, if a tenant comes back to you and says, well, there's all these issues and all I've got is good, bad and the ugly, that isn't going to help anybody. And of course, like you quite rightly said, um, you're going to lose adjudication because the adjudicator's going, well, I've got nothing here to disprove what the tenant is saying. So I'm going with the tenant because it's done on the balance of probability. Exactly. And I find those reports in particular quite problematic with the good, fair, poor, because if they have started an inventory and they say sort of fair to poor, poor, um, but haven't really described, it might be everything else is fine, but one mark on the carpet means they judged it poor, um, which is uh, difficult anyway to sort of make that judgment. Then if you come to do the checkout and there are a listening of other issues you can't get worse than poor <laughs> so um you know the landlord might be like well look all these other things have happened but the scheme will say well it's poor to begin with so you know i can't then make that adjudication to win in your favor even though other things might have happened so those ones are problematic with that um i think that that is a real issue and a lot of those reports are pre-populated so I see quite a few of those that come through that say um, no chips and marks, no scuffs, no this, no that, because it's just there and they haven't taken it out. But then they might say sort of scuffs to low level as well. And then that's very confusing to work on that as a checkout. But also, if it was to go to a scheme, they've said both, <laughs> you know, said there's no marks and scuffs and also there's marks and scuffs. Yeah. So, so which one is it? <laughs> exactly. It's difficult. Those are very hard. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, quite rightly, the adjudicator will go, well, it's not making any sense to me. I've not really seen any evidence. I've got a long list of everything is absolutely fine. And, and it's all, like, like you said, it's automated. It's all click, yeah, good condition, clean condition, um, no issues. But I'm not getting any other kind of information. But clearly, what I'm seeing or what I'm being told and what the evidence, because we've got to remember that tenants will provide evidence, land will provide evidence, agents will provide evidence. You know, this is not marrying up. This is not giving me the right picture. So to me, relying on the uh, good, poor, okay, good, bad, and ugly, as I always call it, 
it's just not enough. And as I said, we're getting to a stage where reports are being looked at, as we've previously said, and they are being taken notice of. And quite rightly, this is the tenant's money. And these so often, you know, the deposits are two, three, four, five thousand pounds deposits. Of course, they want their money back. So, of course, they're going to challenge it. And if our reports aren't, you know, doing basically what they're meant to be doing, because we and I use the word collective, we in as regards to the industry, are relying on just literally clickbait words, i.e. good condition, bad condition, poor condition, and nothing else, then, of course, we're going to just continuously lose. I don't see how the adjudicators can really come to any other kind of decision. No, and I think it it makes their job very difficult with that. And I always think if these words are being used, it really needs to be as an overview and Mm. then really go into the detail for why. Um, and back that up with photographic evidence. I mean, I've always been a, a massive fan of photographs because one person's stuff is another person's large mark and it's, it's so subjective between people. And again, looking at the end user, the adjudicators, they see thousands of these, <laughs> you know, every, every week, every month. And it must um, be hard for them to differentiate as well. So at least if they've got the evidence there, And I mean, similarly, things like burn marks, not all burn marks are just burn marks. You know, Mm. sometimes you've got the linear ones, which are from the hair straighteners, you've got your iron burn marks. You've got ones that are just a, you know, a very surface burn mark. You've got ones all the way down to the underlay. And I think it's important to make those distinctions as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And funny enough, I was actually reading in a forum the other day where um, someone had damaged the, the carpet and through a burn mark, the rest of the carpet is absolutely fine, just one burn mark. So the landlord's going, well, I want a complete new carpet. And everyone's going, and there was like a, a kind of like a, quite a big divide between, well, actually, no, you can't do that because you, there's only one burn mark. But equally, other people were saying, well, yeah, but it's one burn mark. But then when it comes to the next tenant coming in, the next tenant will come in and will say, well, look, yeah, but there's a burn mark. That doesn't look very nice. I'm not so sure about these properties. Maybe it's not for me. And it can cause a problem. So someone was suggesting, well, get a repair done whereas you can actually if you especially if you keep off cuts of carpet especially when it's brand new yeah. and newly laid there's really good professionals out there that can actually take that bit of carpet they can remove that burn they can remove that area of damage replace it with a a, a bit from the from the off cut and basically the carpet's new and quite rightly the adjudicator will be looking at this and go right okay well you want a new carpet However, you're not justifying the reason for a new carpet. Yes, it's got a bone mark, but if you were to give me a, um, a quote to having it fixed and replaced, we could probably go down that road because that's fair and reasonable. There's no betterment. You're not trying to get more money out of the tenant because it's just a burn mark. Um, and therefore, the more likely to win that. But again, a lot of this information doesn't go out there. A lot of people don't generally discuss it. And again, we don't get that feedback from the adjudicator, which doesn't help either. And I think this all kind of like, you know, feeds that whole complaint kind of culture that we are starting to get over here in the UK. I mean, it's very big in the US. But over here in the UK, not so much, but we're starting to get that way. And I think a lot of it is because Clark's maybe not necessarily, again, aware of it until it becomes a problem. And equally, doesn't necessarily, or they don't necessarily know how to deal with it. So for me, when it comes to complaints, I think the first key thing is to take them seriously, not just kind of offbeat them and think, oh, someone's just having a whinge at me. You know, take them seriously. 
um, and don't ignore them either. You know, I, I spoke to a few uh, clerks that, that um, said, oh, yeah, I just, I've, I've just not really dealt with it or I've not paid attention to it or I don't want to. And I think not responding, I think that just adds fuel to the fire. A hundred percent. And I think we've got to think of it the way that we would respond to anything. If we were complaining and someone didn't get back to you, it, it just escalates things. Um, mm. It makes it a hundred times worse. Again, from, from my training in the past, we used to have um, a silly little picture up and it would say sort of make cool, do it like a plaster, like rip it off like a plaster, just do it. Because the more that you think about doing it and leave it and postpone it, and you know think about what you're going to say all that time the other person's getting worked up just go back to someone straight away um and a lot of times when people are complaining they just want that time to vent um and mm. they want to say their piece and whether we agree with them initially or not is it's not really sort of the point essentially and i think it's difficult for us to take a step back because it's our own work um and you know we we have uh, we're human we have that defense mechanism but it's so important, like you say, just to listen to people and also so you get the full story. I think it's quite tempting if someone's complaining to maybe want to interrupt them and again, be defensive and say, oh, no, but this and no, it was this and that. Um, if you just let them say, say the whole thing, obviously uh, make clear that you're listening to them and you understand what they're saying. And then you can try and address each of the points that they said or, you know, similarly, if they've emailed. But leaving things is, is the worst thing you can ever do. And again, I think we've got to remember that our ASAP is not the same as theirs. So if you say to someone, oh, I'll, I'll get back to you ASAP, we're thinking, right, so I've got to do this, this one more appointment, then I've got to write something up and I've got to call that person. And the person that is waiting for you to come back to them is thinking they're calling me back in 10 minutes yeah yeah uh, yeah so, exactly yeah the, yeah they're thinking that you're you're going to deal with it right now yeah. not knowing that like you said you're out in a property with a five bedroom to do and god knows how many other things to juggle and whatever and all of a sudden day's gone they're still sat thinking i haven't heard anything and all of a sudden like you said their temper or their emotional state is become increased they're, 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 and it could be a worry for them you know we, you know we, we we often think about complaints as of someone's just having a bit of a winch um, but sometimes it can be the fact that this is a real, you know, a real big problem for them, that this is impacting on how they're going to manage the situation going forward. It could be with a vexatious tenant. It could be with a upset tenant that, you know, maybe has got some you know, causality in there. Maybe that, that they that there is a, a real reason for them to be, you know, in that heightened emotional state. So, of course, then the longer we take to respond, the longer, as you said, it takes for the you know for them to kind of like them feel not supported feel that they're not being listened to and all of a sudden that just ramps up and up and up and then before long you've got a huge huge problem you've got a mounting out of a, mole, a molehill as it were you know which you didn't need to if you just like you said got back when you said so rather than say asap say when say date say yeah. afternoon say morning say within seven days and so on and so forth that's what you should be doing so give them a time period and definitely, as you quite rightly said, put it in writing because it's so much easier to then go, right, now I understand what you're saying. Because sometimes I find when we're having a general conversation, um, and I think this is true of any kind of conversation, sometimes it's misinterpreted, you don't always get it right. So if you get them to write it down, so write it down in bullet point. What's the issue? Where's the problem? Can you send me you know, a copy of or, or show me what it is that you mean? 
then you can then sit back and go, right, I'm going to sit, clear your desk, sit down, look at it, think objectively. And I think that really does make a huge difference. And it, it does, because it stops us having that instant emotive response as well. Um, and quite rightly, like you say, it allows us to fully understand the situation. Sometimes if someone is quite stressed, it could be a landlord and it's been their mother's property. And now, you know, incidentally, they're the landlord, but obviously they've got a lot of emotions around the property. So they might not think of things quite the same way as an investment landlord would. It's very emotive for them and they might start talking about it. And as we do naturally go off on tangents and it's quite hard for you to get your head around exactly, you know, what each of the issues is, because as I'll be talking about one, they'll go off to another one. Um, and so that sort of that time that allows us just to properly overview it. And, and sort of like I said, with timescales, again, with the AFPC, I think people appreciate it if you're being honest with them. You know, if mm. you respond and say, you know, I've, I've seen your concerns. These are the things that I need to do. You know, I need to look at the report. I need to speak to the agent. I need to speak to the clerk. Um, various things that, you know, you might need to look at to be able to respond properly how long that will take and when you'll come back to them. Um, and even if in that case there is a delay for some reason, you can't get hold of your clerk, then update them. Uh, again, the worst thing in the world is to promise something and, and then not go back to someone. So if you are having that delay, to go back to them and say, look, I said I was going to respond to you now, not quite found out everything because I'm waiting for this person to get back to me. They've been out on the road. I'll come back to you at this time. Um, again, just keep them updated with things. And so they feel validated. They understand mm -hmm. that you are working on it. It's not just sort of went into the abyss somewhere and they'll never get a response. Uh, I think that helps the relationship because, you know, ultimately you might not be going back and saying something that they want to hear and accepting <laughs> blame. But at least they know that, you know, you've, you've looked at it, you've been professional, you've been calm. And you've looked into all the details rather than just an instant, oh, no, that's that's not our fault. You know, that's that can't be the case sort of thing. And that's that's a real key point, isn't it, about blame, accepting blame, because some some people go, oh, I don't want to lose a client. I'm worried. I'll, I'll, whatever. I'll, I'll just accept it. I'll deal with it. I'll pay it. Whatever. You don't want to be doing that. You want to be taking that time to, like you said, sit back look at the evidence, look at what's being said and gather the information that you need. And quite often, especially as business owners, if you're a sole uh, employed clerk, self-employed clerk, um, working just on your business, just you, you know what you said when you've done things and so on and so forth. But when it comes to um, working with other self-employed clerks as part, part of your business model, then like you said, you've got to go and find these bits of information out. You've got to talk to the clerk, find out, okay, what was said, what happened, what didn't, what did you do, what didn't you do, and then be able to understand it better. And I think that there's some time as a pressure just to accept the blame because quite right, agents got to try and potentially save that relationship with that landlord because maybe the tenant's really upset. So that goes up to the landlord. Landlord then takes it out of the agent. Agent then takes it out on that. So that's not necessarily a case of anybody's right or wrong it's just emotions isn't it it's just part and parcel of what we you know everybody does just because we're human but I think sometimes we then feel what well, we've got to take the blame because we don't want to ruin a relationship with the agent even if it's not our fault and I think that can be very difficult to come back from because then you're kind of setting a precedent almost saying well 
yeah, I accept blame for that, even though it wasn't my fault. And the next time the client might then come back to you and say, well, it's your fault, or I need you just to deal with it. I need you just to, I don't know, give me the report free or pay for this, pay for that. Well, hang on, mix. it's not my fault. So I think you need to take that, you know, that first complaint very seriously, step back, gather the information, talk to whoever it is you need to, make sure it's all given to you in writing, and then respond in writing, um, because that way then, it's very clear, and if they don't understand or if they're not in agreement, then you've got evidence as to what's what was been said, when it was said, and then you can move on from there. And I think that then helps you build that time frame, doesn't it? That in regards to the response. Yes, and I mean it is, especially as a people pleaser, it's so difficult not to immediately say, "Oh, I'm sorry." <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry, Andrew, with me. I'll look into it. And, but you um, can say sorry, though. You can say sorry. Look, you can always say, uh, yeah, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'm sorry that you feel that this has become a big issue for you. However, can we take this back? Let's look at it and then let's work it out from there. So, yeah, you, you can, I think you can do a little bit of both, but I think you're right saying, I'm sorry, and then just leaving it. Then you're just, you're basically, you've just kind of like, just, just accepted responsibility and that's I think the worst thing you can do it doesn't mean you're not responsible because sometimes we do make mistakes but I think accepting the blame straight away and then finding out it actually it's not to do with you you can't then backtrack from that no that's difficult and people do tend to remember parts of things that happened so um you might then get the next time oh but you know you do you remember you said you're sorry that shouldn't have happened um, and it might be that, it, like you rightly say, you found out afterwards it, it wasn't your issue. There was, you know, some other component to it. But in their mind, they'll just remember that you said it was you. Sorry that you would do this. Or, you know, uh, worst case scenario is if you sort of said, oh, uh, you know, what, you have that report for free, that kind of thing. Then it does set a worrying precedent because that's difficult to get out of if you started it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think it's a case of taking each complaint on its merit, like you said, looking at it from a, is it a low level, is it medium, is it a high level? And then just making sure that you treat each one as if it was a high level, because I think that's professional. I think it helps you keep everything in order, makes you respond in time, makes you um, create an audit trial in regards to the evidence so that you're, you're getting all the right information. And then you can convey that information back to um, the client. And then, of course, then from their point of view, they feel like you've taken them seriously and that, you know, going forward, if there is any other issues, because at the end of the day, you cannot, you know, hand and heart say that we any of us have been through our career to the point where we are now without at least one complaint. So how you then deal with it going forward really helps set your precedence and sets your uh, mechanisms for managing all those um, kind of issues without, like I said, initially taking the blame and then shouldering responsibility when it wasn't necessarily down to you. But equally, if it is down to you, then you've got to deal with it. I think... It's easy, like I think we were saying earlier on, wasn't it, about burying your head in the sand and just hoping yeah. it will go away and and um, someone won't ever contact you again. They'll just ah, they'll just forget about it. But we know that that doesn't happen. Never happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, Never you can happens. remember from your property management um, side. I, I'm sure you've probably got experiences in that. Yes, I mean things um, things are um, emotive, and they are you know houses are. A massive investment for anyone, whether it's an incidental landlord or whether 
it is um, an investment property. But similarly, you know, complaints that we get from tenants and we do see some of those come through. You know, it's not always that you haven't put exactly what the landlord wants to see on, um, but you get complaints from tenants both on inventories and, and checkouts. And really, I think what, what helped from property management time was the majority of complaints were from tenants from maintenance point of view. Um, and things like that can be very difficult because, again, it can be quite emotive. I had an oven that stopped working on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Everyone's mm. family was coming round. Um, there was no way she could cook. And realistically, there was nothing that we could do. No contractors were out and about. All the supplier stores were closed with parts. The next time I think they could go out was like the 27th. And she was obviously very distressed, as you would be. That has mm. ruined... Christmas um but there are ways of dealing with it and it's not necessarily shifting the blame but again it's being calm it's being professional in that instance going back and saying we are very sorry but this you know isn't our fault here are all the factors that are against us at this point in time you know it's four o'clock on Christmas Eve everything's closed no one's out and about these are the times it will be open um, and in that instance, there was not even anything that we could provide. Um, mm. But similarly, you know, it, it might be landlords and tenants having an argument between themselves. And I think that we, more as clerks, are getting dragged into those. You might want a landlord to, uh, a landlord might want to be present on a checkout with the tenant there. And they are trying to sort of pit against each other and get us to say certain things. And so it, it's being sort of part of that relationship. But knowing that we are independent and actually it's difficult with our industry because we're not in a position where the customer is always right um, mm. that isn't always the case we simply we do have the industry knowledge we have the experience you know some of us might have property management experience some of us might have experience of schemes and so our reasoning and working out is going to be different from their limited experience of whether it be you know renting for a few years or renting out their property the things that we see day in day out mean that we have a different view of things and actually we have the experience to back that up so it's not um necessarily that, that that they're always right and that we have to agree with that but i think again if we're saying our reasoning and we're working out like with the carpet scenario you mentioned you know i personally know that the dps themselves obviously they class it as betterment um as do all the schemes but they would only allow 30 pounds for a rug for a burn mark and that burn mark might be in a completely ridiculous place that you would put a rug <laughs> you know you just might not mm -hmm. put a rug there but that's the compensation that they would offer because it is that mark on that entire carpet um, and even if a carpet was brand new and so I think our knowledge is invaluable and if we're showing that that's how we're coming to those conclusions people will argue but I think it it helps our case certainly. Oh it definitely does it definitely does and and this also helps with the, the whole complaint side of things where sometimes you know, that carpet issue could be the fact is we didn't pick that up. We didn't yeah. notice it. Or um, there was maybe furniture that was over, over the, um, the burned or marked area. And, you know, the complaint is, well, we should have picked it up. Well, how could we? Because there's furniture there. But then that goes back down to report. If you've got furniture in the property or, as we had the other day, and someone I was also speaking to about, tenants moved their furniture in and you're having to do the report afterwards, then obviously there's limitations. So you should be saying this in your report. You should be saying, 
unable to inspect under the furniture or unable to inspect fully because tenant items present or landlord's items are present, especially when landlords are still moving out while they're trying to get you to do the report, which happens a lot. And then down the line, you get the complaint. Well, there was a great big mark or it was a great big burden and you didn't pick it up. And it's, well, no, I didn't pick it up because there was a bit of furniture over it and we don't move furniture because it was a three-piece suite and there was no way I would be able to see underneath it. So a lot of the complaints we can actually kind of sort out early on by just being more descriptive, setting out the limitations of our report and, and kind of telling the reader, which at the end of the day, we all your reports should be aimed at the adjudicator. These are the, uh, or this is the situation and this is these are the conditions or were the conditions at the property. This is the report, these are the limitations and this is what could and couldn't do. So you help ease those complaints. But obviously, the other issue we then got is if those complaints become then a issue because there's been a material loss to the landlord. So for argument's sake, you've missed that burn mark. It is a material loss because at the end of the day, now that or that um, uh, bit of um, either carpet or furniture has got to be disposal because the, 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 it's so bad. The, the landlord, if they can't get money from the from the tenant's deposit, then the next person they're going to look at is us as the inventory clerks. And that is why it's important to have your professional indemnity and public liability insurance in place. So should you get a situation where the um, complaint is going to such a level where we are talking uh, effectively financial loss to the landlord who is now trying to recruit, recoup that from you as the clerk well then you've then got to look at okay is that something i need to now pass on to my insurance depending on what the issue is so it so for me i'd be looking at you've left the property unlocked or unsecured haven't told anybody it could be the fact that the door couldn't be locked but you then didn't tell anybody you've left the property and then someone's broken in caused loads of damage or squatted or something along those lines or that um, you've missed a broken window or you've missed um, a damaged item a big item could be a cooker or it could be uh, damage to the carpet to the walls to the fabric or we've had it once where um, there was complaint where the shattered there was a sorry, there was a shower unit and all the glass had shattered. So they were looking for us to compensate them because the glass had shattered. Where, but the, the, the good thing about it, you know, from my point of view and what my clerks do that I work with, say my clerks and not my clerks, you know, but the people that I work with, um, they took overview photographs and they also took photographs of the item and we could prove that that date and timestamp, that item was absolutely fine. And whatever happened in between us being at the property and the, the damage to the unit was out of our control. It wasn't that way when we were there doing the report. And that's why your report has got to be so detailed, include all the photographs. Yes, and the, the peace of mind that insurance brings as well. I mean, we should all all be doing it we should all have insurance but um you know god forbid these big things happen um and they they do it could be on a checkout that a tenant had stood strategically in a certain place to block something um, had that loads of times <laughs> yes <laughs> anything you know anything like that and actually if, if the landlord wants to claim it's something that we again need to look at uh, sort of in-house as it as it were and think about whether we need to take that extra step but to, again, for your agents and for your clients to have insurance um, that properly covers these things shows that you, you know, you are professional and you are willing to take these things seriously as well. 
Yeah, and it's not necessarily a policy you can actually claim on. It's a bit like you know driving your your your, your car insurance. You don't need it until you need it. Um, And so it makes sense to have that there just in case. And also because a lot of them come with legal phone lines somewhere you can ring up and ask for advice and guidance, because sometimes there might be something that you don't necessarily know or don't understand or you need some advice on. And a lot of these policies come with that or at least they should do. And and it comes with my insurance, my car insurance comes with my policies for my business. Um, And sometimes having that go to really has paid dividends for clerks that I'm aware of where they've got that advice and they'll be able to go back and be able to kind of set this out to the client and and resolve that complaint and I think that's the key thing isn't it you need to resolve that complaint you can't leave it hanging in the ether you've got to deal with it and but you've also got to deal with it professionally but also make sure you cover all your bases and part and parcel of that is obviously your report but it's also how you respond Yes. And I mean, it is all sort of, you know, that big circle of having insurance, dealing with things quickly and professionally. Um, And it might be that you don't get complaints ever. If you're lucky, nothing's ever happened. Might be all of a sudden you have one really big one. But it's worthwhile as all just being aware of how we would deal with it. um, The processes that we've got in place to deal with it and, uh, you know, ultimately look at it as a worst case scenario for everything. Um, and if it goes to that stage where costs need to be covered, that you've got that in place as well. Yeah, I think the complaints policy is is key, isn't it? So that you can literally um, refer to that, use that as a guide for you when dealing with complaints of, of any level, low, medium or high, so that you cover all the bases and you've got everything in place and it helps you structure that and it stops you getting emotional and it means then those complaints are dealt with. Client feels like they've been listened to and like you said earlier, it might not be the response that they want, but at least you've given them a reasoned, measured, professional response that they can then work on. Because if you're not to blame for this, then what you've got to set out is exactly why you're not to blame. That means then the client can then take that forward and have that conversation with the client of theirs, i.e. the landlord or and or the tenant. And then hopefully they'll be able to sort that out because it's easy to blame everybody. But then when you're faced with the evidence and faced with the recent argument, a lot of people, they go, ah, yeah, okay, I can see what you're saying. Maybe not. Maybe this isn't the thing to do with you. Maybe this is a subject of something else or some other influence or some other impact that's outside of your control. And then they can then deal with it. But they won't be able to do that unless you actually do something about it. And for me, I think you should learn from every single complaint. I think you should use that as a basis to see whether your processes are working, whether your reports are good enough and whether you need to make adjustments to how you manage both the complaint and your service as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it is important not, like you say, not just to deal with it and be sort of, oh, phew, it's over. <laughs> you know, I've, I've sent my response, we're, we're done and dusted now. Um, and it's something important to take forward if there have been things that have been misconstrued um, or, uh, you know, you're seeing actually a not very clear from an outsider's point of view looking at the reports. How do you change that so it doesn't become an issue in future? Exactly. And this is my point. You've got to learn from it because nine times out of 10, there'll be elements of that complaint, which will then maybe factor in other ones going forward. Because, again, you will always get a complaint. 
everybody gets one. I had one the other week. I was easily able to deal with it because I knew exactly what the issue was because I'd done my 100% audit. I knew what was coming up. I had a robust defense. I was able to kind of basically prove nothing to do with us. You need to take that forward with the other person involved and, and it was dealt with. But that's because I had a really good handle on what I'm doing, health affects things, and I had the processes in place. And I think sometimes clerks, and especially when you're a sole provider and you're trying to set up and you're trying to do all these things and as well as earn money and do all these reports, you, it's a laughing it's on your mind isn't it you, you're not thinking about the complaints process you're not thinking about you know what happens should someone say you've done something wrong or this is your fault no that's it it seems far down the line at that stage doesn't it mm. so exactly so for me I think you know you've got to have those processes in play in place and learn from the complaint so I always look at it what learning points can I get what have I learned from this process? What can I take forward? What can I put in place that I didn't have before? Or actually, it could be confirmation. You're doing it bloody right. You're actually hitting all the markers. You've got everything in place that you should have. And that's why you're able to go, no, this is the situation. Nothing to do with me. Um, this is what I've done. And that's what I should have done and so on and so forth and in a way it's validating that you've got your processes right so it's a I think it can be quite a positive thing yes and actually that was a complaint that I had recently um I had a tenant um contact me who who was very upset and um had a had sort of a range of similar issues but things like um you know the, none of the lights were working in the property and the radiators weren't heating up fully and those things did really help with the fact that all of the reports say, uh, the reports actually said the lights were working, but there was photographic evidence of the lights working. You could see them on. Mm. Um, and the radiators, uh, I do put that they were not tested. And I explained why that was as well. Um, you know, obviously we can turn the heating on, but whether they heat up in enough time while we're there, whether they heat up fully, um, it's just not practical to be testing in that kind of respect. So no. I could go back and I could address all of those things. And it is, a, it, like you say, sometimes it's positive. I knew we'd done all the right things and that I could justify those things. And, uh, you know, a learning curve with that for me as well. One of the things that um, the tenant had mentioned is the cabinets were falling apart in the kitchen. And I was really struggling to understand, you know, exactly what she meant. And it turns out that, uh, you know, I was saying the laminate finish was peeling, as it sometimes does, especially around ovens, you know, it cracks and it mm -hmm. comes apart. And that was her, they're falling apart. And that is a classic thing, misinterpretation from how we perceive things and what we know is happening. If a landlord had come back and said, you've missed the cabinets are falling apart, we would think cabinets were falling literally falling apart, apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah literally literally, apart, literally right? hanging doors hanging off cabinets and off, exactly <laughs> yeah cabinets coming apart yeah and and again such a key thing to have the photographic evidence there so that it, it can be positive as well and if for example with the radiators we didn't have not tested in there then that's an absolute learning curve to put that in there to make sure that we're covered that we're saying it's tested or not and it's probably easy to skip over not taking a picture of the light on but in this case it really helped because obviously I could say well look it was at this date time stamp point in time the light was working obviously it's not now which is an electrical issue and sort of go back to these are the points that could help and to contact the agent 
but it, you know, again, that was easily resolved and that all the points could be addressed and felt quite good afterwards that actually nothing was missed because in the beginning, uh, the person was very upset, which, mm. you, you know, you can imagine someone moves in and says, oh, look, how could you let someone live like this? I've got no heat. It was cold. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Even though it's spring, it's still cold, apparently. Um, and, you know, the lights don't work and all of this. And actually that, you know, that wasn't the case or partly wasn't the case you know when when she'd moved in so it is good for us to be able to reflect on that both ways exactly and I think sometimes we think of a complaint as actually a negative thing and you know don't get me wrong there there are elements of that yeah I agree I think complaints can be actually quite a positive thing I mean no one likes complaints but I think it's how you approach them I think if you take the the stance of okay Let's look at what the issue is. Let's hear what you have to say. Let me go away and look at it and I'll come back to you with a response. And that will give you the time to kind of gather the information, calm down, especially if maybe you've had a rather fraught conversation with the, you know, with the client, with the landlord, with the tenant. Things got a bit heated. You better, you know, take that emotional uh, element out of it and then look at it. Things dispassionately go, okay, what do I know? What do I need to prove? What can I give over as evidence? And what can we take from this? And I think that's the key thing, isn't it? Is like I said, be able to turn it into a positive. Okay, what can I learn? What can I do better? What has now happened that I can actually then use to substantiate my stance, how I run my business, or can I make improvements and, and turn it into something that can be quite useful? And I've had a couple, you know, over the years where I thought, yeah, actually, do you know what? you've got a point that could have been done better or could have dealt with that better. Let's change this. And I think if you change it and you don't make that same mistake again, then you're lessening the likelihood of complaints going forward. And it also helps build that relationship with that particular client as well. Yes. And it helps us progress going forward. You know, the times change constantly and the things that the schemes are asking for and the limitations. And even now with the meters, you know, a lot of them are smart meters, a lot of them are changing. We need to be constantly changing. We can't just keep our set sort of format that we might have used years ago. We need to always be reviewing, like, these are the legislations. These are the things that are going forward for agents with regards to fire doors and the things that we mention. And so, again, with complaints, like you say, we absolutely need to be using it to keep progressing as we're going along. And hopefully, if we are keeping up to date with things anyway, it will help limit those type of complaints because you're already proactively addressing things that might come up as an issue in future. Absolutely. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, the internet, we go on and I, I, I'm always banging on about this and, and I know that you, you take the same view as I do a lot of people I speak to. We are professional service. So if we're professional service, we need to act like that. And that means then making sure we've got all these kind of process like complaints in place so that when they happen and they will that we're able to deal with them effectively and also hopefully get a better outcome as if rather than if we were just to either ignore them or be very kind of laser fair about them or just decide actually I'm not dealing with it and that's it you know we, we can't have that so if we want to be seen as professional service we need to act as a professional um, and I think in a way that kind of really does kind of mean then the tips from my point of view about dealing with complaints are going to be quite valid and I think certainly you know taken seriously responding to them not ignoring them equally don't accept in uh, blame unless there is 
blame to be had, but not until you've actually explored everything, make sure everything is in place and that you've got the right evidence. And also you've had time to properly think and inwardly digest the information. As you said, set out timeframes for response and keep to them and making sure you learn from every single complaint so that you can build on that, build on your knowledge base and make sure that going forward, the client feels that you are the professional for them. So any other points that you'd like to raise? Any other tips that you'd like to give our listeners, Melissa? I don't think so. I think we've been through, you know, all of the important things, like you say, learning from it, all of those things. It's so important. And we are, you know, we, we do have emotions and it's best to take that step back from things. Just be calm and be professional. And, you know, often it's your reputation you're protecting as well. It could be the clients. It is important to take a step back and think of how we would want our complaints to be dealt with. Um, You wouldn't want to be ignored if you were complaining about something. You would want someone to come back to you as soon as possible. And you'd want the reasoning as to why they'd come to that conclusion, particularly if it wasn't the thing that you wanted to hear. It's no good just kind of saying, actually, no, that wasn't our fault. You have to back that up. And then people are much more responsive to that type of response in itself than just sort of a flat feeling like they haven't been listened to or that they're not being agreed with, essentially. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. So I'm hoping that has been useful for everybody to listen to. If you do have any other questions, feel free to uh, contact me at InfantryBase. Uh, my email is shan at infantrybase.com. Um, be happy to answer any questions that you've got. Melissa, thank you. Great conversation as always. Thank you. Until next time. Until next time. Yes, great. Lovely. Well, thank you very much indeed for everyone listening. And We look forward to talking with you again at our next Inventory Professional Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Inventory Professional Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, subscribe to our podcast now and share the love. This podcast was brought to you by Inventory Base, providers of industry-leading property inspection software, accredited training, and on-demand property reports.